Hello and welcome to another APW Property Podcast, which looks into the UK housing market. With me today are APW's Seuss Thayers, Stuart and Callum Williamson. Hi Stuart. Hey Paul, how are you? I'm very well. I gather you're getting ready for Australia Day tomorrow. So uh... You've got to pronounce it correctly. It's Stryer Day. Stryer. You don't say the A, it's just a Stryer. <laughs> That's it, no A. Yeah. Um, hi Callum. Hi Paul, how are you? I'm very well. Uh, there's no Wales Day tomorrow then? No, sadly not. But Wales Day is every day when you're in Wales. It's such a glorious place to be. Okay. Well, APW is an advisor to expats from around the world who are thinking of buying into the UK property market. And today's episode is a City Watch. We're turning our attention to the city of Glasgow. Uh, my name is Paul Shearer. I've been writing about UK property for almost 20 years. And I was also an early accidental landlord and now manage an apartment, a commercial premises and an HMO. And every week, one of my hands-on management responsibilities is to put the rubbish out for the bin men. Talking of rubbish, uh, here are two people who categorically won't be talking rubbish, Stuart and Callum Williamson. Uh, so, Callum, we'll begin with you as usual. Where is Glasgow? Where is Glasgow? Good question. Uh, it's in Scotland. Uh, it's in the west-central west Scotland. Uh, it sits across both banks of the River Clyde, 20 miles. That's 32 kilometres from uh, the river's mouth on the western Atlantic coast. Glasgow is Scotland's largest city and it forms an independent council area that lies entirely within the historic county of Lanarkshire. Okay Stuart, why Glasgow? It's a historic city and I can talk about that from personal experience. I first went there about 30 years ago when it was quite grim and uh, it was a bit dark satanic mill-like but since then it has really changed and in I think in 19, sorry, 2022, it won the Condé Nast Travel Award for UK's friendliest city, which is not something I remember at all. I think the Glasgow Kiss was something very familiar when I was up there. Um, but it was only beaten by Cambridge as a slightly better city. It's got a lot of cultural institutions, great education, strong financial and tech centres. And nowadays it has really has a lot going for it. Did it get City of Culture recently as well, or am I getting that mixed up? Uh, no, I think it did have that, but it's had lots and lots of, uh, you know, it's been the Garden City, Commonwealth Games host, the COP26. Um, it's big on venues and, and welcoming uh, conferences to its city. So uh, any other fun facts about Glasgow? Um, yeah, I think one that goes, I like a lot, is Stan Laurel and of Laurel and Hardy lived in Glasgow in the early 1900s and made his stage debut at, a, at the Panopticon Theatre in Trongate, what a great name, Trongate, in 1906, just before he turned 16. And um, okay, what was his famous quote? That's another fine mess you've got me into. <laughs> um, Glasgow City Chambers Building contains more marble than the Vatican. Uh, it's best known for its stunning marble staircase, which is the largest of its kind in Europe. And the banqueting hall is pretty spectacular. The chambers with its imported Carrera stone have been used as a film double for the Kremlin in the film An Englishman Abroad and as the Vatican in the film Heavenly Pursuit. Nice. OK, here's one for you doomsday preppers out there. The opening scenes of World War Z, which I think was that Brad Pitt movie, uh, the zombie movie. Uh, the opening scenes were filmed in the centre of Glasgow which was doubling as Philadelphia. They had imported American cars and trucks and a cast and a crew of 1,200 people just for that sequence. It is an impressive sequence um, and a very good film. It is, yeah. More fun facts, Stuart? Any 
tickle tickle your fancy? Um, I can only, from my time when I was there on rugby tour, I recollect that the underground system, or the metro as they call it, was pretty satanic. Apparently it's the third oldest in the world after London and Budapest. The trains are orange, which lead to the nickname for the underground system being the clockwork orange. I didn't know that. So there's a there's an underground there akin to, you know, the underground in London, albeit a little bit smaller. Well, yes, there is. I mean, there are a lot of undergrounds in many quite well-known cities. I mean, when I live in, in Singapore, living there, they have a great saying, which is, you should never sleep on the underground. Do you know why? No. Why? Because there isn't one. Ah, <laughs> You'd be underground Ooh, nice. in a box. Yes, that's it. Okay, yeah. um, uh, one last fact. Singer Sewing Machine uh, chose Glasgow as the location for its main European manufacturing site and bought 46 acres of farmland in Kilbowie. The massive factory employed 11,500 workers at its peak and in 1913 shipped over 1.3 million sewing machines around the world. The factory was closed in 1980 and the building was demolished in 1998. The film Birth of the Sewing Machine, uh, you can find on YouTube, was made at the factory in 1934. Truly phenomenal. <laughs> uh, well, let's put some of these factoids in context with a bit of history. Uh, if we start with the Romans, we have the Antonine Wall, uh, which was north of Hadrian's Wall, and it stretched from the Firth of Forth to the Firth of Clyde. Uh, there was a fort at Glasgow Bridge. Uh, before that, it was called Glaschew, or Green Glen. And... Uh, that shows some evidence of a fortified prehistoric village, but Glasgow wasn't really a place until long after the Romans had done a runner, and uh, St Mungo founded a religious community there in the 6th century. A cathedral dedicated to Mungo was built in the 12th century, and the remains of St Mungo are still in the lower crypt. The first stone bridge over the Clyde was built in 1350, and a century later Glasgow became a royal borough and got a university a year after that in 1451. It did well as a market centre, sitting between the Highlands in the north and the Lowland south, and with its connections to Edinburgh, Scotland's capital 45 miles east of it. After the union of the crowns in 1603, Glasgow grew, but it was the trade with the Americas that really made Glasgow merchants rich. Although not many slave ships sailed from Scottish ports, the Scots were directly involved in plantation slavery and uh, the world it created, and many Scots owned or managed plantations and prospered from the resulting sugar and tobacco. Uh, with the Industrial Revolution, Glasgow expanded rapidly and it was known as the second city of the empire, especially as a result of the dredging of the River Clyde, which had created 51 acres of deep water port by 1851. The tonnage of the 13 principal foreign imports rose from 125,000 tonnes in 1851 to 2.5 million tonnes in 1911. As the manufacturing and industry were expanding, the population rose in response to the need for a labour force, from distilling to soap to glass to textiles, Glasgow's industry grew during the first half of the 19th century. Cotton provided over one-third of the workforce until the focus shifted to iron, engineering and most famously shipbuilding. Glasgow's shipyards were the birthplace of over one-fifth of the world's supply of ships from the end of the 19th century until the First World War. Uh, they gave rise to such names as Robert Napier, Fairfield Shipyards and Govan and John Brown's shipyard in Clydebank and here I can declare a personal um, involvement or a family involvement. My great-grandfather was on the board of John Brown's shipyards and was there during the First World War. 
After the war, the city struggled a bit during the Great Depression and was bombed in the Second World War before the real industrial decline began to bite during the 50s, 60s and 70s. But it has reinvented itself, as Stuart was saying. Uh, the industrial decline is no more and all of those uh, wasteland sites are now being redeveloped, or most of them. Like other great industrial cities, the skills and creativity get applied in different ways, which brings us to some pie, population, infrastructure and employment. Callum, uh, take us through the population stats. Sure, yeah, we'll do. And, and just quickly, for perhaps all of those new listeners out there, the reason we do pi is because it's um, it's a good indicator of the quality of a location as a as an investment location. So yeah, population, infrastructure, employment. If somewhere's got all of those three things, then you can sort of say that it would probably be a pretty good place to purchase property. So population for Glasgow, uh, as we've said, Scotland's the largest city and home to almost uh, 600,000 people. But the greater Glasgow metro area houses almost 1.7 million people, and that's rising uh, with an anticipated 100,000 or so more by 2030, according to the United Nations World Population Prospects data. Uh, over 200,000 of the city's population are in the 25 to 44 age group. And as of 2019, 46% of Glasgow city region residents have a degree well above the UK average of 38 and higher than in Manchester and Birmingham. Did you know that? Interesting. Glasgow also ranks in the top 10 of regions in Europe for the proportion of working age adults with at least a degree level qualification, as well as ranking number one among the 11 UK core cities for producing the highest number of digital tech graduates. Uh, that comes from Savills, so some good quality research there. Uh, Glasgow also has the second biggest student population in the UK with 195 thousand students from 140 different countries that's a good bit of research from invest in glasgow we've got a pdf on that so yeah there's a, a choice of um uh, renowned and well-respected universities it's the university of glasgow the university of strathclyde glasgow caledonian U university and the glasgow school of art uh, university of glasgow is one of the top 100 universities in the world university of strathclyde was winner of the uk university of the year award in 2019 Glasgow Caledonian University has a high-tech campus and its focus on careers means 95% of graduates are in employment or higher education within six months of leaving. And then the Glasgow School of Art, uh, with its Art Nouveau buildings designed by artist and architect Charles Rennie McIntosh, uh, that was a home for creatives offering study programmes across a wide variety of disciplines and a welcoming community feel. Uh, but it caught fire not once but twice in 2014 and 2018 and they're hoping to rebuild and reopen between 2027 and 2032. And there's another family connection uh, because my grandfather on my father's side uh, studied at the Glasgow School of Art, uh, went on to be an architect. So uh, what about infrastructure, Stuart? Uh, infrastructure is very good. Uh, my own personal recollection is I went for an interview at the University of Strathclyde when I was a, um, a grommet, and um, unfortunately the train was late and I missed my slot. And so consequently, didn't let me in. I don't think they let me in anyway, but I was a bit disappointed with the British Rail causing that problem. But uh, from a transporting perspective now, I mean, they've got some fantastic motorway connections to the north, south, across to Edinburgh. I mean, the M8, if you get that, it goes right into the city centre, right across into Edinburgh, then you can join it and drive straight down into, into England. The airport has got over 100 international flight destinations. Train links to Edinburgh in an hour and 12, and London is about five hours away, and three and a half hours to Manchester. I guess even less when we get the HS2 going. 
some pretty good parks and museums. Quite a few of the parks I've selected myself. Uh, Glasgow City Innovation District, the GCID, sounds like someone who carries a badge, is a result of the successful partnership between Glasgow City Council, University of Strathclyde, Scottish Executive, Glasgow Chamber of Commerce, blimey, and Entrepreneurial Scotland. It's brought in new jobs, retention of talent, inward investment, and organisations with innovation at their core. That's a great There's another nice acronym, which is the IFSD as well. That's the Financial uh, Centre, the International Financial Services District, which is the world-famous business location in Glasgow. I mean, that is like, it's like the MAS in uh, Singapore, enough to strike fear into anyone when you hear that the IFSD is on the phone. It's the same as the Monetary Authority of Singapore. Oh, God, I'm heading for the airport. More recently... Glasgow has become a centre for global climate change response when it hosted the COP Out 22, oh, 26, sorry, the COP 26, not the COP Out. It was a COP Out and it still is in November 2021. I mean, did you see what's happening at Davos? I mean, Davos is 1,200 private jets flying in. They can't get into Davos, so they park two hours away, then get a, a helicopter to the um, car park, and then they get a transit van from the car park to the actual centre. So which part of that is environmentally friendly? I don't oh think dear, so. were you not invited, Stuart? Of course I was invited. My plane was too big to be in. More recently, the COP, the COP Out 26, November 2021, and the city's new transport strategy setting a target of reducing distant travel in private vehicles by 30% in support of the city's ambition to become carbon neutral in 2030. So well done, Glasgow. Okay, well, it was a big cultural centre as well. It's home to the Scottish Ballet, the Scottish Opera, National Theatre of Scotland. And in 2019, it was ranked the UK's top cultural and creative city by the European Commission. Uh, It's hosted a number of important events, such as the 2014 Commonwealth Games and the 2018 European Championships. And long before that, it hosted the Garden Festival, which was the beginning of a cycle of large-scale regenerations that have happened across the city. You've got the Scottish Exhibition Centre, which is one of the three venues in the event campus. And then you have other projects like the Millennium Tower and the Media Campus, which houses BBC Scotland and Scottish Television. And there's been a tremendous regeneration of the East End of Glasgow following the Commonwealth Games and the creation of the Athletes' Village, which was then passed back to the city as legacy housing. So uh, there's been tremendous regeneration of the East End of Glasgow following the Commonwealth Games and the creation of the Athletes' Village, which was then passed back to the city as legacy housing. It's It's rather nice development, the Athletes' Village as well. What about employment? Cameron? What about employment? OK, this is the other important piece of the pie, so to speak. Glasgow's economy in the 21st century includes traditional heavy engineering, advanced engineering and manufacturing, aerospace technology and development, notably the production of satellites. I didn't know that. Information and communication technology, software engineering and renewable energy and low carbon innovations, although not enough to offset the stuff going on in Davos, probably. The city's bio-corridor brings the public sector, business and academia together in the research, development and production of pharmaceuticals, bioinformatics and medical technology. Glasgow has a huge retail sector. It's the centre of film and television production and is an important global financial and business services hub. Modern business and industrial estates has many small firms and others have moved to Glasgow's new towns. Tourism has increased in importance 
interestingly, aided by the Scottish event campus known as Scottish Exhibition and Conference Centre when it opened in 1985, so that's S-E-C-C. That sounds like another thing with a badge, Stuart, so maybe, you know, make yourself uh, scarce. Yes, which includes the, so sorry, that's the Scottish Exhibition and Conference Centre, which includes the 12,000-seat SSE Hydro Entertainment Arena, the 3,000-seat SEC Armadillo Auditorium, built in 1997, and the SEC Centre, a complex of interconnected exhibition and meeting rooms. With that uh, massive event campus, it sounds like you could arrive and get very easily lost, but uh, I'm sure it's well signposted. It's an interesting point about the legacy of the Commonwealth Games, because that's often a very good indicator of the how the housing market is in that location. I mean, if you look at um, Brazil with the Rio de Janeiro Games, that's a complete disaster, and they can't, you know, they can't use the the sports amenities and all the village that was left by the athletes. They're all empty. Whereas in Glasgow, in Birmingham, and in London, it's been a success. So it's important to see how they've planned these things, and it shows they have got good planning going on. And I think that's a, a good point about Glasgow in general is that love them or hate them the scots are pretty organized at those sort of things i mean they're doing pretty well the glasgow city regional economy is recovering more quickly than any other region in scotland at the moment post covid and the gva is predicted to grow by 25 percent over the next 15 years compared to 13 percent over the previous 15 years so they must be pretty well organized and have their heads sort of squared away glasgow is Scotland's uh, economic engine uh, sitting within the Central Belt region. So the Central Belt region, I learned this morning, was uh, had a population of 3.5 million, making it one of the 20 largest urban regions in Europe. Now, the Central Belt region, I presume they stretch it all the way across to Edinburgh, but uh, yeah, one of the 20 largest regions in Europe is one of the stats there. And it's amazing that it says it's the largest of any region in the UK outside of London with a combined GVA gross value added of 100 billion. That's amazing. I wouldn't have thought that about Scotland. Contains over 100,000 businesses, nearly 60% of total active firms in Scotland. So uh, you've got big employers like Barclays, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Deloitte, KPMG and PwC in the financial sector. Uh, The tech centre, there's been sustained investment. Uh, So the digital sector in Glasgow now employs just under 34,000 people. Uh, Major international tech firms such as Siemens, Dell, Cisco and SAS, uh, making the city their base, with the focus on data science, research and development and customer intelligence. I wonder if that's uh, something that they do or whether they ask the customers to be intelligent, I don't know. Customer intelligence is a thing. Smaller growing companies based in Glasgow include cloud software company Bellrock Technology. Uh, You've got online sports betting company FanDuel and flight comparison website Skyscanner. And the Met Tower redevelopment project is £60 million scheme, putting the tower at the heart of a digital cluster. Uh, And you've got an interesting fintech company called Nude, which hopes to help young people save towards their first purchase of a house. Uh, It's an app and it just uh, monitors their spending and checks how they're doing on saving towards a a deposit. Uh, I was lucky enough to be taken on a boat trip along the Clyde uh, in about 10 years ago, going from John Brown's shipyard what remains of it, all the way to the athlete's village. And what's interesting is that from the river, you can see a sort of gap-toothed 
element, which is the wasteland sites that are being redeveloped or have been redeveloped on this kind of massive regeneration story. And they're all being filled in over time. Uh, but it looks rather good. It's uh, And it is a very lively city. Any final thoughts, Stuart? I mean, it's been quite interesting, you know, listening to all the research because I didn't realise how vibrant it was. When we talk about Scotland as an investment location, often you get people saying, I'm not interested, I only want to do it. People only want to do it because they know it. But I think in its own right, it's got a um, its own story to tell. One of the things that I'd like to know the answer to is, if Nicola Sturgeon does achieve Scottish independence, what effect that will have on it economically and also on the property market. Interesting. Okay, and I think, I know I guess something I was sort of conscious of or thinking of as we were going through that, and we'll cover it in the neighbourhood watch in more detail, but is what's in it for me? You know, what's in it for me from an investment perspective? We've talked a lot about the population infrastructure and employment, which we know are some of the fundamentals of making a good investment location, you know, but as we can see there, it's got those in spades. But the other things that make it a great place to buy is, you know, the price point. Generally, it's a slightly lower price point than the rest of what Edinburgh and much of England, you know, which also means the yield is a lot higher. So from an investment perspective, you're getting seven, eight, nine, ten percent yield on, on your property as well. So it's got all of those fundamentals, plus you're getting a great yield, plus it's a lower price point, you know, it's um it is a good place to buy. So um, more on that anyway in the in the Neighbourhood Watch episode. Yes, uh, have a listen to the Glasgow Neighbourhood Watch episode where we look through the neighbourhoods in Glasgow, work out who lives where, what kind of housing there is and what flavours of neighbourhood they are. But that's all for today. Thank you very much to Stuart. Thank you, Paul. Cheerio. Uh, thank you, Callum. Thanks, Paul. And it's goodbye from me, Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.